Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'll tell you this right now, that in regards to this team and who we have, uh, the type of people that we have on this team, uh, I wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, these, these guys uh, have proven to me and our staff what they're all about. Never once did they ever um, you know, start pointing fingers. They never flinched. Um, we've become closer through all of it. Uh, and I think that regardless of what happens the rest of this year, I know this, that, that uh, I've learned a lot about who we are as the character, and I love that about Yeah, them. that's the goal for us is to play meaningful games uh, for whatever reason, wherever you're at every, every year. Uh, they're all going to be different when you get to this moment, but I, I'm being completely honest with you when I tell you I'm, I'm just I'm happy for the players that they've gotten themselves to this point. Um, you know, at some someday I'll look back on the season and I'll, I'll always come back to how we handled where we're at right now. And I know. Rebound, Levine. Here is Zach Levine with 18 seconds left. Golden State 198. Levine against Glenn Robinson the third, and Jim Boylan calls a timeout with 13 seconds left. So this is going to set up a play for the Bulls, but it's also allowing Golden State to set up defensively, Bill. Ball game right here, 198 Warriors. Wide left, Levine. We're down to the final five seconds. Wide left, Levine with the spin. Levine left side for the win. Hit back iron, no. Rebound Golden State, and the ball game is over, and the Golden State Warriors have swept the season series with a 198 victory of the Bulls here at the United Center. What did you call up? Call yeah, well, we wanted to see how they were going to match up, and we did not want Draymond Green in the pick and roll. So we'll take Zach in that situation. I believe in him in that situation, and, uh, you know, we'll we'll move on from it. We'll learn a few more. So I'm sorry to report to my friends in Chicago, the nightmare continues. Chicago Tribune sports page. Really? Column by Stephen Rosenblum. Steve Rosenblum. You know him? Never heard the name before yet. Steve Rosenblum. I think Chance the Rabbi is the way to go. Brian Peruk. Well, when's he coming back? I said, you want to come back? And it was an emphatic, no. We're glad he misses us. Sitting in for Mike Esposito, who's sitting in for Jordan Burnfield, who's sitting in for Wayne Randazzo, who's sitting in for Mark Grody, who's sitting in for Brian Peruk. It's Matt Spiegel. This is funny, because we're trying so hard to make this funny, and it's not funny. They suck, so you don't have to. Baseball is full of suck right now. For some reason, they sing. Or the duck duck here and the quack quack there, right? Take the last train to Turdsville, and we'll meet you at the station. Take the last train to Turdsville. They're in need of sanitation, don't you know? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. They won't stop singing. Lido. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a master's course 
in stupid. You're tapping two kegs of stupid, and it is really flowing. What percentage is five bucks uh, on a hundred? They have celebrity rebukes. This is Wayne Mesmer, Senior Executive Vice President of the Wolves. You know, in all my years involved in sports and many teams, I have never been involved with something that sucks so badly. The three words that best describe this show are as follows, and I quote, Stink, stank, stunk. It's Rosenblum and Spiegel on WSCR, 670 The Score. We should be 670 WSUK. Welcome in. Steve Rosenblum, Matt Spiegel, Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to, but we're also the Wake and Bake Club, and that's something that Bulls fans desperately need <laughs> now. As Jim Bevington, Basketball Bevington sees progress, well, I ask you this, Bulls fans, is your bong half full or half empty? <sighs> Once you smoke it. It seems more half empty. It, it does. Yeah. And you need to smoke it. So let's start with this. Is Jim Boylan still the coach of the Bulls as of this morning? As of this morning, yes. Right now he Why? is. Why? Uh, because he signed a long-term contract. Because he fits nicely into the backpat circle that, uh, that Garpax has, has cultivated. That he confirms. They all confirm each other's existence and value. So they they feel nice and cozy together in the big bowl of stupid that they've created. He is front and center, the most the most important clown in getting out of the car. He's the guy who meets the media more. He's the front. He's the center. He's the face of your franchise. Twenty three games into this season, where John Paxson said playoffs are what we're going after. The Bulls now, according to basketballreference.com, have a 1.6% chance of making the playoffs <laughs> after getting swept by what used to be the worst team in the league, but because they swept the Bulls, they are not the worst team in the league, the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, they have one more win than the Knicks now. They do have five wins on the year, the Golden State Warriors, ravaged by injuries. Uh, five wins on the year, and two of them are against the Bulls. And Jim Boylan remains the coach of this team. Yeah, they're bad. This is this is one of the all time great clown shows, and I have um, some some pieces of information that are just that are that are is a tribute to Bulls fans. But I don't want to let last night go. Last time I did a radio show was Thanksgiving with Espo. Okay, and the night before, the Bulls had lost to the Warriors Uh inexplicably. And inexplicably, Jim Boylan remained coach of the team. And here we are again, doing a show with you the night before. They lose to the Warriors. This is a, this, only this one was at home. The Bulls are at home, right? Mm-hmm. And Jim Boylan, the guy who says he doesn't make wholesale changes, made wholesale changes. With his bench doing well, he put the starters in. The starters went two for 12 in the fourth quarter. And they lost. 
while the bench was making baskets. In fact, Denzel Valentine had just hit a three. And Kobe White had made a couple shots. They were they were a second half force. So what Jim Boylan traditionally does is say, I don't make second half, I don't make major changes. And he does. So he's either lying or stupid about that. Then when it blows up in his face, as it inevitably does, like against the Lakers, he left the bench in. He refused to put the starters in, right? Yeah. And what did he say? He talked about developing the bench. I've got to develop. Okay. Then against Portland, when the bench was good and the starters sucked, he left the starters in there, and they lost. And what was his excuse then? I've got to develop the starters. So... Last night, the bench is doing well. Well, we got to get the starters back in there. So he uses the idea of developing players to deodorize horrible coaching. Okay? I think that's undeniable. Why wouldn't you leave your bench in? If you're trying to develop the bench and they look like they're developing and they're winning a game and you're at home, why wouldn't you do that? Because you're a bad coach. He's a terrible coach. In the fourth quarter in NBA games, you find (laughs) out a couple things. You find out which team is more interested in winning because that's when everybody shows up and plays at their absolute best with their peak effort and their maximum defensive intensity. So it's why you saw when the Lakers were here a few weeks back and they rose up and came back from, what, 19 down? It was like, oh, they decided to give a crap and reminded you that you are not them. So that's something that happens. The other thing that you learn in the fourth quarter is which coach is the better tactician, which team is better prepared and... And, and smarter because of the coaching and because of the practicing. And this Bulls team is an embarrassment in the fourth quarter over and over and over again. They scored 32 points in the third quarter last night and blew another fourth quarter lead, this time at home, against a horrific and physically mangled Warriors team because they're terribly coached. And then their thought processes, Zach Levine, after the game, doubled down and defended his Uh thought process to hold the ball until the end of the game for potentially winning three. He he doubled down on this idea, and it was a bad idea the entire time. I didn't have a problem with Zach Levine getting the rebound and just dribbling out, and, and I had a problem with Boylan calling a timeout. I don't want him adding strategy. Zach Levine's going to do what Zach Levine wants anyways. Don't let the Warriors get set up. So the Warriors got set up, and Draymond Green was going to be the guy on the pick and roll, and they were just going to dare Zach Levine to beat him. Mm-hmm. And there, and I really didn't have much of a problem with Zach Levine's he, decision. To wave it off? To wave yes, it off and go because, south? Because he but got the But look at the, the shot. shot. No, no, he didn't get the shot. It was a, it was a deep three off like a, a, a hop step with the guy flying by him. That was not a good look. Okay, well, what about the shot that won the game? I can't even remember who it was when he had one off for 49 points. Yeah. That was a worse angle. That was a worse shot. That was Jay Cutler posture on that 49-point game where he hit the winning shot. And this was, for him, for what the Bulls do, that's what was going to happen. It's not it, – it wasn't going to go any different. But the idea that he was – that Jim Boylan had to get the starters back in a game where the bench that he had claimed to have to develop mm-hmm. was doing well, I just don't understand it. I don't understand how the Bulls – that this is such an indictment of – 
the inexplicably employed Gar Foreman, the inexplicably employed John Paxson, the random Reinsdorfs in charge of whatever they're in charge of, it just boggles the mind. Bulls fans definitely need the Wake and Bake Club to get through this. Imagine 23 games into a season that was supposed to have promise. Even though basketball Bevington was on the sidelines, it was supposed to have promise and playoffs. And they are calculated to have a 1.6% chance of making the postseason. It's brutal. Hey, can I ask you a question? It's death. Have you been on the radio since that Thursday night Bears game? No. How? Not, not since, not, you mean? Yeah, this, this the, the one, yeah. remember that, that Cowboys game? Uh-huh. Where, where, where they showed up and they beat uh, the best opponent that the offenses looked good against? They looked legitimately good, and conversations have been altered. Narratives have been altered because right. of that. Yes. I, I am dying, exploding, yearning to discuss Nagy Trubisky with you. Dying. You go right to it right now, I, and we'll have we're, – we're, we get bonus suckage time. We're yeah, we have a bonus, 2:30. right? Yeah. So, just explode, Lucy. Oh, Thank you, for God's sakes. Whew. All right, here's, here's what I think we learned. <laughs> right now, that the offense has been dialed back from like 150 plays to like 50 plays, uh-huh. and they've chosen the, the one-third offense with the training wheels to let Mitch Trubisky run, and he looks very comfortable. As Pat Manley said, counting to two. Instead of counting to four or even three, just count to two. Yes. Right? Uh, qu- make quick, decisive decisions. Go ahead and run if it's there. Trust your instincts. Just a small window. I think it is incredibly clear that a second-year head coach, really coming off his first year as a head coach, absolutely bungled the offseason. Absolutely overloaded his quarterback with way more than he could handle mentally, intellectually, and you pair that with not using the preseason at all for the injury prevention reasons that he chooses, and I understand those reasons in a bubble, but you're not in a bubble. You're developing a quarterback, and he should have put the damn quarterback out there just to see some looks and and learn some things in the preseason, especially now that we've learned he's what kind of learner. You were high on this uh, like a month or two ago. He's a rep guy. He admits it. A rep-based learner. The Bears learner. back it up. Right. So you have a, a guy who you now know is a rep-based learner, and you now know gets overwhelmed by volume. By thinking. Yes. And he said he doesn't want to think. He doesn't want to think. And he has now asked you to do Me? quicker things in the, with the offense, yes. to move quicker, to call plays faster, mm-hmm. to, um, to, to get the play called earlier in the game, in the play clock, so he can go up to the line earlier and have time. He has now told you what he needs. It is clear that Matt Nagy completely bungled in the the install of Nagy 202 with Trubisky. He did not scout his own quarterback well mentally. And I'm not saying that means that we are in a place now where Mitch is going to bloom and 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 be good or great or anything like that. I'm just saying where they are now is a place they could have gotten by week three or week four, as opposed to what we saw. Week maybe one. You know, Ideally week one, but certainly week three or week four. 
but it should have been week one or week two, a level of functionality because it shouldn't have been learn 150 plays. It should have been, okay, let's dial in on what we got here and then expand. And we saw whether it was Denver was what, week three, that he dialed it way, way back because he panicked and realized he'd given him too much. So too much blame was put on Mitch as opposed to Nagy. It, uh, for the, the, the immediate awfulness that they represented after an offseason we all lived and loved through and were so excited about. It's clear that Matt Nagy bungled his, the scouting of his quarterback. He didn't coach. He didn't plan the quarterback who was there. What he did was he tried to turn him into Johnny Unitas. We're just going to make you drop back. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he compounded it. It's not just take... Take away one of the greatest traits your quarterback has, which is running, and make him think, which is something he doesn't want to do. And you should have known this. As you say, he bungled this. But in week one, where he he ran twice and said, oh, we're not going to do anything with the run game. Against a Green Bay team that would give up 100 yards the next four weeks hmm. on the ground. And you stopped your quarterback from running. You stopped your running game from running. You made your quarterback drop back. You did exactly what the Packers wanted Mm -hmm. you didn't coach the players that were there the game that was there he's cost them the playoffs look all the playoffs picture looks altogether different if that's a win and it should have been against green bay your coach you're right your coach bungled this in the offseason he absolutely did right through into game one when he could have said you know what okay after a quarter this isn't working yeah I, i understand a coach wanting to stick with the idea but there being you Apparently doesn't mean being flexible until it's too late. Well, he, you know, here's the thing. Like, I get it. You went 12 and four in your first year uh-huh. as a head coach. You finally got your chance and look what happened. And you were high on yourself and your GM was high on you and everybody's feeling it. You're feeling yourself. Coach and of the year. GM of the year. You're using defensive players on offense every week. Your club dubbing. After every win, you're feeling yourself and you want to be the full bloom of your offensive geniusness right there on display from week one. I got your Sean McVay right here. But you don't have the quarterback to do that. You don't even have Alex Smith, who's incredibly brilliant and could at least execute and remember all those plays. You got to coach what you have. And he, he looked, he made it about himself. It's we are, okay. We all learn things. It's just, it, it, unfortunately, it really costs you a playoff chance this year. We're at a point where you wonder if Matt Nagy would have tried to make Lamar Jackson a pocket passer because of what he did to Mitch Trubisky. I'm not saying that Trubisky is as good as fast a runner, but he is as elusive. Uh-huh. And Mark Grody was making this point last summer to us and last the end of last summer, beginning of the season – that there were two things that weren't with this Bears team. One was the defense scoring. We yep. didn't see that. And one was Mitch Trubisky converting, keeping drives alive with big scrambles. And that was missing. And there was no reason that needed to be taken away. They decided they had to. We're going to make him Mitch Trubisky. And they, they were the ones who put this on Mitch Trubisky, yep, by the way. They did if it. Our criticism of Mitch Trubisky that you're now rightly pointing at Matt Nagy 
is born of their say. Oh, Mitch is picking this up great. This is Mitch 2.0. This is great. This is wonderful. Look at the way he's going. You can't believe. And guess what? That, that all probably felt good to them and felt accurate to them in a classroom and on a practice field, but you never saw a single rep where he actually had to do it. Gets another team. And you were confirming your own decision to overload him that way. And... Th- you know, to your Lamar Jackson point, John Harbaugh's been around a while. He's had a bunch of different <laughs> offensive coordinators. He's got a ring for he was, reference. Right. He was fortunate enough to have a guy in Greg Roman who says, I know exactly what to do with a quarterback with this skill set. I know exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. And John Harbaugh said, okay, let's do that. All right. Because that's what you do. We've talked about this. Guys like Don Shula who won with different styles. Guys like Joe Gibbs who won with different styles. Belichick has won with different styles and changed on the fly. Matt Nagy was trying to prove to the world that he was himself. Be you. He was this version, this brand, instead of humbly doing the right thing. And when they talk of a Matt Nagy system, I also call into question that there is a system at all, as opposed to a loose-leaf binder of great ideas for plays as opposed to something that hangs right. together that something in the first quarter sets up something in the fourth Amen. quarter. Amen. There was, there was the worst moment offensively was when all of a sudden the, on Thursday night, Cordero Patterson is back there to, to field a snap and Trubisky's lined out wide and Cordero took it, immediately took a step left and was tackled for a five-yard loss. And I was like, okay, stop with your cuteness. <laughs> Who are, are you Tony LaRussa? What are you doing? The world has told you the last nine weeks that your cuteness doesn't work. It's stupid. So stop. And he couldn't help himself for one play, and it was an immediate five-yard loss. Put it back in your pants and coach your players. Oh, wow. Hey. Hey, now. All right. We we are... Thank you. Do you feel better? Oh, I do. Is there more? Of course. All right. Well, we'll do that after the... We've got to take a break. Tell you that we have David Schuster... Coming up at 1140, we'll talk Bulls with him. Mark Grody will be here if there's any bear stuff left over. Mark Grody will be here in studio at noon. It's the beauty of having a Thursday game is that Grody strolls in here at noon. He'll sit with us. Jim Margallis of Sox Machine will be here, and I think it's a wonderful. He did a really nice job of, of putting into perspective where the White Sox are, what they did, what happened, and why getting told no was actually kind of a positive experience. They learned some lessons. And um, we'll be here till 2.30. We'll take you up till uh, Naked Eyes performs. They're always something there to remind me. Originally a a Dionne Warwick, Burt Bacharach song. Yeah, Yeah. I love that song. So we're that. So we'll we'll do that. And um, do I have to take attendance? I have to take attendance of my Trader Joe's. There's a guy named Dino. Actually, he's got a name tag that says Dino. He also has a name tag that says... Constantine, so he's Greek. Naturally, he's got yet another name tag. It says Gus. And I said, where's the one that says Zeus? And he says, no, I did have another nickname. And apparently he came in college. Now, if you're familiar with college life, mm-hmm. there's something called a walkout. He went to Madison. He's at Wisconsin. A walkout is when the, in the Greek system, this Greek guy in the Greek system, the upper underclassmen, kidnap the upperclassmen, they take him to another chapter, another house, another state, so they go to East Lansing. They're at Michigan State. And this weekend of debauchery and this kidnap weekend, this walkout, leads to much discussion. And as college kids, sniggering frat boys are wont to do, they'll try to, they'll try to act like they're, they're elitists and they'll discuss Greek philosophy and Greek, Greek names and the, the brilliance of Greeks. And then they started handing out names as if they were a sniggering frat boy. 
And so my friend Dino Constantine Gus, it was suggested that his name would be Testicles. <laughs> he said, we can't put that on a name tag. Uh, so that's <laughs> Testicles I, is pretty strong. Isn't that great? Testicles is good. That is a wonder. It reminds me, you know, you know, that slew of jokes. Um, what do you, you know, you know, Dr. Ben, Dr. Ben Dover, <laughs> right? Yes. And all, all those, all those names, you know, uh-huh. um, and my, mine was always the, the, the Greek guy who lived down the street, Harry, Harry Paratestes. <laughs> and did, did he know Terry Boris personally? <laughs> God bless. It always comes back to Boris, doesn't it? When it involves snickering. All right. He's Matt Spiegel. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Saturday seconds. We'll be back with whatever crap we do. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. What did you just unearth? I just unearthed, uh, as requested by a texter at 67011, that the Bulls have the third worst fourth quarter margin in terms of points in the NBA. The Knicks are dead last. They are outscored in every fourth quarter by uh, the most, and then Charlotte, and then the Bulls. So 28th out of 30 are the Bulls in terms of fourth quarter. So if you feel like you've seen them be beaten in the fourth quarter a lot, oh, yes, they you have. have. Yes. Oh, yes, you have. Absolutely. Well, the and, and this came up when Espo and I were talking the same thing after another loss to Golden State, the putrid team that is left there. As the Bulls, if Jim, Jim Boylan's when Jim Boylan said last time, there's no shame in losing to that team. Yes, there is. They're the worst team in the league, and you're mm-hmm. an embarrassment. There's still shame in losing to that team. Only now it's at home. And guess what? Bulls fans are doing the right thing. Bulls fans are responding the only way you can to get Boylan fired, Foreman fired, Paxson fired, and God knows who else fired. What are they doing? They're not going. Exactly. Let's go back to 2010. The Bulls led the league in attendance 2010, 2011, 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Think about that. Always. Oh, well, it was Derrick Rose. They led the league. Right. They led the league in attendance. Number one. In tw- three, your three alphas brutality. Your, your decay post Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. Your Hoiberg ugliness. Leading the league in attendance every step of the way. Last year, they were second. Last year, they fell to second in actual turnstile attendance. This year, they're sixth. The Bulls who owned the city, owned the the building was filled. They are sixth. And as Casey Johnson pointed out, 21st in capacity. So they are, fans are responding the only way they can. Good. By not showing up. To watch a product being coached by a boob that is not worth paying for. Now, they are on par to have their worst attendance since Tim Floyd left on Christmas Eve in 2001-2002, that season. He was replaced by Bill Berry. He was replaced by Bill Cartwright. Those 21 and 61. Bill Berry. Love his work as the drummer in REM, by the way. Brad Miller was your best player on those te- on that team. He had a 4.4 win shares, lead the team. The other names on that team, the worst attendance since then, 
Dalibor Bagarich, <laughs> Curry Chandler were rookies. Mm. Marcus Pfizer in the second year. There was a player named Fred Hoiberg. <laughs> Eddie Robinson was stealing money. And the player now known as Meta World Peace. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is the last time the when Bulls. When Ron was making liquor store runs at halftime. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> I'm so proud of you, Bulls fans. You're responding the only way you can, other than joining the Wake and Bake Club and filling your bong, because this team is a joke. This franchise yeah. is a joke. That this whole idea that that they're going to make the playoffs, and now after only 23 games, they've proven, they've, they've, uh, they've projected out to have a 1.6% chance, 1.6% chance mm. of making the playoffs. This hour is brought to you by Cars for Kids. Call one eight seven seven Cars for Kids. And the bottom of the hour was brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. One week from tonight, join the Chicago Wolves for Star Wars Night at Allstate Arena. Ticket packages include a laser saber. Visit chicagowolves.com or call one eight hundred the Wolves. Felt really good to get that um, that Bears uh, conversation uh, out of my head and into the microphone. When um, <laughs> in, in 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 parsing what has been such an ugly first six, seven, eight, nine games of the year, and then you get here and you realize, oh, so it was Matt Nagy who bungled the offseason completely on top of Mitch being overwhelmed. It was Matt Nagy's fault. And um, we had a texter um, saying this whole season, this entire year, it began with the arrogance of Nagy to waste the opportunity that is preseason. Here's another one from Keith and Wheaton. They've been unprepared. He wasted the preseason. He underestimated the London trip. He blew the bye week, and they've been unprepared in almost every first half this season so far. Wasting great. All of that, yes, that's a good slogan. Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly the way this season has gone. And even if nothing mattered until Green Bay, you blew the Green Bay game. You blew a team. You refused to run. You refused to let your quarterback run around. You played exactly the way the Packers wanted you. You made yourself one-dimensional because you refused to try to run, and you made your quarterback one-dimensional because you took away his greatest. Yeah. You you didn't even let him throw on the run. But even the running, the, the quarterback run plays, the RPOs, they wouldn't have been as effective because they were doing everything slower because they were trying to do more. Because he was thinking and he told you he doesn't want to think. Absolutely. You saw when, when he would do an RPO and he would put that ball in the mesh point there and then pull it out. It was just so incredibly slothful for the first slothful. eight games. It was. And now things are hitting quicker. David Montgomery is hitting the hole with authority because they're making their decisions faster. It's more definitive because there's less on Mitchie's plate. Mm-hmm. You know what my favorite play was maybe the whole night? Was that touchdown for Anthony Miller on the I screen wrote, pass? That's exactly what... B- because it, yeah. that's an RPO. Yeah. That, that's, Mitch has the choice to make. Yes. He doesn't bother to sell it. That, it, oh, maybe it still is a run. No, he does the math. He looks and sees the linebacker fa- like coming inside. He's like, oh, I have to get this to Miller. So immediately upon the snap, he turns, makes a good throw authoritatively, and Miller makes a move, and it, it, it just... It, it, Mitch is running this limited version of the offense with an authority I did not think he was capable of. It's not the full offense, but it doesn't need to be. Right now. So let him run this limited version. And then maybe as you go on the next year or two, you can expand a little more if you want. Maybe. Imagine if this had been done from game one. Yes. You're, you're looking at a playoff. You're looking at a defense that you would be. We, 
They're still a top ten defense with all the injuries. They're still the top ten defense, and you'd still be looking at at a a chance to have some kind of playoff game that you, for sure, as opposed to a five percent chance or whatever. Yep. Yep. I, and I too, I too circle that Miller play, and there are other things going on in it. All right, we'll take a break, and we will bring the show down uh, by talking with David Schuster. He uh, does the Bulls pregame, postgame, halftime, and and that's we and David are consigned to that. And I watched a movie finally over the course of the last day and a to, half. You're going to give David a review? I, well, yeah, I want to know what his review was, right. and, and I'll give mine as well. Suggests only one thing. Joining us in the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park, is David Schuster. David, welcome in. Free bird. She's gonna play <laughs> <Well>, Free Bird. <laughs> Hang on a second, guys. Jim Boylan just called the timeout, so we just have to wait a couple seconds. So here. is he still the coach of the Bulls as of <laughs> as we speak? Why? He's just about to go through practice this morning, so the answer Why? is yes. Why? <laughs> you know what? As long as you brought that up, I had yes. Spiegel and I had this discussion. I didn't ultimately by the end playing this backwards. I didn't have a problem with Zach Levine not wanting Draymond Green to come over and 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 annoy him on the pick and mm-hmm. roll, and mm-hmm. I didn't have a problem with the the shot Zach Levine took because mm-hmm. he's taken worse and made them. I was that's all fine. The problem I had was Jim Boylan calling timeout. Why? Why did he call timeout? Did he ask? Did because ask he never him? he he never ends a game with uh, any timeouts left in uh, in his bushel. I mean that, that's just the way he is. I mean he, he he has six timeouts in a game and he uses them all. In that situation, more often than not, I think a coach is probably going to allow your star player, especially since the defense doesn't have time to set up. I'm going to say more often than not, they're going to let the player try and win the game in that situation or at least tie it. But that's just not the way this coach is. He likes calling timeouts, and he likes being in control, I guess. David Schuster joins us uh, discussing the some inexplicable decisions by the inexplicably still-employed Bulls coach. I just don't I, – I, if there's any chance – you knew the, the, the final play was going to be Zach Levine, whatever Zach Levine wanted to do. He already had the ball. Don't mm-hmm. let Draymond Green – he's really the only Warriors defender I would have worried about. And Zach Levine was going to do what he did. And if he went to the hoop, he went to the hoop. If it, it would just, I, I don't, the idea that, okay, well, we can't end the game with any timeouts. How about if you end with a win at home against one of the worst teams in the league? That's my frustration well, that would be with nice. that whole thing. Yeah. That would be nice. I mean, I, the Bulls do not lead the league in most losses, but they definitely lead the league in most embarrassing losses. I mean, I, this is just another one last night. Golden State, 40% of their wins, two of their five, have come against the Bulls <laughs> twice in the last eight days. I mean, Golden State had just finished up a road trip last night. This was their fifth game following that win against the Bulls at home a week and plus ago. So this is their last game of the road trip last night. Now, more often than not, especially bad teams, they can't wait to get on the plane and go home. They almost looked like they knew they were going to win the game when the game started. They, they, they 
hungry overall last night, I thought, than the Bulls were. So, yeah, this was yet another embarrassing loss. Sorry, hey, folks. Hey, David, um, how do the players feel about their coach? Because because I've I've seen I've seen lots of indications. There was one after they came back and won what a week and a half ago or whatever, and and it, Boylan was running around looking for somebody to hug, and people were not super interested. <laughs> um, but you know, but like after Catch frustrating games, yeah, after frustrating games, um, you know, sometimes you can tell if you're hanging around. Um, how do they feel about him? Well, actually, this year, unlike last few years, you know, I'm not in the locker room after the games because I'm doing the post game. But I'm I'm around the players enough to know that I think at times they're fairly bewildered with either some of the decisions or or some of the other things that go along with everything. Hey, he's their head coach, though. I mean, they know that the head coach controls playing time. They know that the head coach is, you know, runs practices and everything else. And he's got a three-year deal. So they understand all that. But again, I think it's safe to say that at times they're sort of bewildered. David Schuster joining us. He is your host here on The Score, Bears, uh, Bears, Bulls. He probably wishes. Bulls pregame, postgame, halftime. Much discussion about Jim Boylan, the man who says he doesn't wholesale substitute, and of course he does. And he did it last last night. And he did it last night. Right after Mm -hmm. Denzel Valentine had hit a three, the Bulls had a five-point lead with a little less than nine minutes to go. So he says he just wanted to get his starters back in there. And going back to when he uses, when he tries to deodorize dumb coaching decisions by saying he's developing, developing a bench by leaving him in against the Lakers, not getting his starters in, he doesn't make wholesale changes. And then against Portland, and he's leaving his starters in, his bench was, I mean, this is another one of those situations of not coaching the game that's there and then lying about bad coaching by saying you're trying to develop this or that or the other thing. Why would that move be made then? I have no idea. You always ask me to (laughs) figure out moves by people that I wouldn't do myself. Okay. Listen, the mantra by management and ownership this year was to win games and get into the playoffs, was it not? So really, the heck with growing your bench or growing anything. The only thing you're supposed to grow is your record. And and like I said, they've had so many embarrassing losses. I, I keep going back to that Lakers game when they were growing yes. the bench. They had that game won. They had that game won against LeBron. Okay, That game, if they would have won it that night, and I'm only picking on one game here, but if they would have won that game, that would have been like winning five games because it would have been against the best team in the NBA so far this season, and it would have been against LeBron James, who has just killed the over all these years so that would have really counted but they they didn't win that game they've lost to the Knicks they've lost to Memphis they've lost to almost everybody so really the losses are just embarrassing and really the record should be obviously a lot better than it is and it's not good enough Um, is Zach Levine improving in terms of his thought process and the mental part of the game you know Maddie he's he's always going to be what he is first and foremost he's a scorer I mean, last night, um, he did nothing until like the last minute of the first half. I mean, he was looking to dish last night. I think it was 0 for 4 from the field, so he wasn't really forcing any shots. Then he scored six points in the final minute, and then he came out, obviously, in the third quarter and had a big third quarter, 15 points, but then he only scored one more point the rest of the game at, at the free throw line in the fourth quarter and missed, unfortunately, the shot at the end of the game. And by the way, I didn't have any problem with the shot that he ultimately took because if he was in you know, the mode like he was against Charlotte, he could have taken that shot from half court and he 
would have hit it. But unfortunately, last night he missed that shot at the end of the game. Overall, um, Matty, I'd say, yeah, I think he is improving as a player. I think there's just too many knocks against him. And very recently, he's actually played better defense than what you know a lot of people think. So in, in answer to your question, yeah, I think overall his thought process is getting a little bit better. To a happier note, not only do I want to ask you if you saw any <laughs> movies, David, but Matt Spiegel saw a movie he wanted to review and get your review of your review of his review of his review of his movie. I finally had a chance. If, if, if I saw it. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sure did. you did. I'm sure you, you did. did. We discussed it. I finally had a chance to sit down and watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood um, on, on a, big, oh, okay. a, big, a big flat screen at home in a nice dark room with surround sound. So I feel like I got the full experience. And I, I appreciated... How beautiful it was! Uh, the 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 reference points, a million visual references and music references, and and I know a I know way too much about the Manson family, so I enjoyed all of that. But you know, I, I think it, it, to me, I was really disappointed in how it held together or did not, I should say, and how I felt at the end of it. It's like there were lots of really good vignettes and scenes and things that were cool, but in terms of holding together as one thing, it did not work for me as an overall product at all. And I was disappointed. I really liked Tarantino, but it didn't work for me. Yeah, I, you know, I would agree across the board with what you just said. Listen, Tarantino has had some great movies. I mean, we could talk for the next hour about some of the movies, and I think you and I would agree on those. This was not one of his great movies, to be honest with you. I did like Brad Pitt in the movie. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio was pretty decent in, in that. The story, especially the end, I don't know, it was just sort of weird, to be honest with you, but it wasn't a classic Tarantino movie. And so, yeah, it left me uh, lacking at the end of the movie, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, he's trying to, like, have this kind of weird circular plot thing that, like, you know, he's all over the place, and by the end it all feels like it's together. It wasn't paced like Pulp Fiction was or like any of those other. It was really, really slow and yet trying to have that kind of effect. And the style did not fit with the editing pace and the pace of the movie overall. Know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I, I would uh, suggest anybody after seeing that go see some of his better movies. Just sure. put them on, you know, on your DVR or something like Mr. that. Mr. White, Mr. Pink. All right. So, did you see any? Did you see a movie? Any movies? Multiple I did. movies? I did. There's a lot of movies out, obviously, and I got to start catching up. But I saw Good Liar. I really liked Good Liar. Has Helen Mirren ever done anything that people don't like? I mean, I think she's just fantastic. I, she's wonderful. So Helen Mirren was really good. Ian McKellen was also in this movie. A couple of. Um, I guess you can say aging British actors uh, who have never appeared together on film, but they did in this movie. There, there are a couple of con people. That's all I'm going to say about the movie without giving too much away. Okay. I really didn't look forward to seeing this movie, but I thought it was really well acted, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. The, uh, the other movie I did not thoroughly enjoy, that was 21 Bridges, Chadwick Boseman, He's not the Black Panther in this movie, that's for sure. Uh, J.K. Simmons is probably the first thing I've ever seen him in that I did not like. Ooh. One of the all-time great, you know, I'm sidetracking here, but him in Whiplash is probably one of the greatest yes. acting scene, uh, performances of all time. Mm -hmm. So if you ever want to see something good with J.K. Simmons, that's the movie to see. But 21 Bridges was just really poorly acted by across the board, and I didn't enjoy that movie at all. Wow, yes. Good pace. Not my pace. I love. And he's throwing chairs and symbols and everything and whiplash. That's just a what a virtuoso Fantastic. performance. Yeah, that was terrific. All right. Well, I, I know what to see, what not to see, and we'll move right along. It's a big, big um, holiday time for movies. What would be next on your list, David? 
Oh, gosh, I want to see Dirty Waters. I think that's going to be really good. I just haven't had a chance. I think it came out yesterday or the day before. So that'll be something hopefully this week. And there's a few others that have come out, the Mr. Rogers movie, um, you know, anything, uh, you know, with, with him in, in starring role I want to see. So um, there's some movies to see, and hopefully by next week I'll have a couple more. Yeah, and let us know how many people you run out of the nearly empty theater anyways because you insist on being alone, David. <laughs> okay, keep track well, of that. Well, the 21 Bridges, I think there was... Th- there was three three other people in the movie Twenty One Bridges. When you I didn't went to see shout it. them out of the theater because you wanted it to yourself, if, as you were wont to do. If they would have talked, I would have started screaming at them. Yes. Okay. Come on, we're Kevlar people. <laughs> He's David Schuster. <laughs> Thanks, David. See you guys. Bulls pregame, postgame, halftime. All right, we're gonna take a break. And speaking of pregame, postgame, halftime, all that other stuff. Sideline reporter for the Bears here, and whatever Matt Spiegel has left, and there's a lot. It will all come out now. And Grody's here. He's coming in, right? He is. In, he was scheduled to be in studio. Okay. We've not seen him, but this like is always, always a great thing about Thursday games is that we get Saturday Mark Grody in studio. It's much better. It's much more. It's all that kind of stuff. So we will discuss that. The Bears, my friend. Saturday Suckage, Rosenblum Spiegel, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas... Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.